Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Manolo. I'm one of the pastors here at Dayspring Church, and I have the awesome task of bringing the word of the Lord. Uh, our pastor's not with us. He's preaching at La Iglesia, so he's probably already preaching his second sermon. So I am blessed uh, to be able to come here and to minister the word of the Lord. Amen. You know, uh, a few years ago, um, right before Thanksgiving, uh, I was driving to my first job, and I wanted to get there early because the earlier I got there, the earlier I can, I can leave. We were on our way to Utah after, after work. I remember the streets were empty, traffic was flowing, and I was speeding. I was speeding down Sepulveda Boulevard, and unbeknownst to me was a police officer there, and as he pulled me over, I was sitting there thinking about an excuse. What should I tell him? Anybody ever been there? Yeah. <laughs> it just took me back to my elementary days when teacher would ask, why didn't you do your homework? And first thing you said, your dog ate it. Remember? I remember, uh, remember one kid, they told him, uh, teacher asked him, Hawking, he didn't do his homework. And he says, well, teacher, my house burned down. And uh, the teacher bought it for, for a moment. And uh, teacher said, well, where are you guys staying? She, and uh, the kid said, well, my uncles came in the afternoon and they rebuilt our house. <laughs> <laughs> but we are full of excuses, aren't we? Yeah. Especially when it comes to spiritual matters. We have an excuse for everything why we didn't come to church or why we didn't pray or why we didn't fast or why we didn't join a Bible study or why don't we join a life group. We, we have time for everything, but we don't have time for God. You know, one of the most frightening verses in all the scriptures found in Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus Christ says, many will say to me on that day. What day is he talking about? He's talking about the day of judgment. He said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy or proclaim now, your name cast out many demons, and your name did mighty works. But you know what the Lord will tell them? Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness or iniquity. I never knew you. In other words, they gave God an excuse. How is it that someone who thought they had their ticket punched to enter glory just missed it? Well, we are full of excuses. And today, I want to talk to you about the life of excuses. So when you walked in, you should have received a, an outline. We're going to talk about the story of Moses. And I think most of us are, sto- are familiar with the story of Moses. Moses, who was born into slavery. His mother, Jochebed, wanted to spare his life. So she, she put him in a basket down the Nile River. And the other side was Pharaoh's daughter, who raised Moses. As a matter of fact, she gave Moses his name. And so Moses is, is raised in Pharaoh's house, best food, best education. 
for approximately 40 years until Moses finds out that he, in fact, is an Israelite. And he sees an Egyptian who is abusing one of the Israelites and he takes matters into his own hands. And he kills the Egyptians and the Bible tells us that he, he fled. He fled into the wilderness. And there for approximately 40 years with his father-in-law Jethro, he married a, uh, an Ethiopian woman named Sipporah. And so there Moses is for, there for 40 years when God appears to Moses in a burning bush. And so when you walked in, you should have received an outline and we're going to read it. It says, now when Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Oreb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. And Moses saw, though that the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Verse 3, so Moses thought, I will go over there and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when, Mo, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush. Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Just to pause this is holy ground. And this is holy ground not because I'm preaching or because Pastor Nestor's a, or because Nestor's a pastor here or anything else. This is holy ground because God is in this place. Can I get a witness? Yes. Amen. Verse 6, then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into the goodness and spacious land and the land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, in the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. We bless you, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you move mightily, powerfully, Lord that you speak from above, touch the hearts, God, open up our ears so that we will be able to hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray, and can the church of God say amen? Yeah. Amen. As I was saying, the, the police officer pulled me over, over, and I was thinking about what to say. <laughs> so I was, you know, what to say. And, and I remember the police officer came to my window, and he said, the reason I pulled you over is because you're speeding. He said, was there a reason why you were speeding? And I thought, oh, man. Well, my brother's in the hospital, I told him, and I'm going to go visit him. And the police officer said, well, what hospital is he in? Oh, I didn't prepare for that one. <laughs> so he gave me a ticket. <laughs> but we are filled with excuses, aren't we? You know, imagine for just a moment that, that you are God. 
that you are the creator of all the universe and that you possess all power within yourselves. Your people are enslaved and the time has come for you to deliver them. Now, who would you pick for this great work? Who would you choose to go to tell Pharaoh? Perhaps you would send a great military leader. Uh, what about a skilled politician or maybe a great orator, someone who would give a, a heart a warming speech that would grip the hearts of man? Now, if you had the population of the world at your disposal, would you send Moses? Probably not. After all, the Bible tells us that Moses is 80 years old. He is a fugitive of justice. He is wanted for murder in the very place that you want to send him. He is well-educated, yes, but that was over 40 years ago. Now, most of us think of Moses as a mighty hero of faith. How Moses stood up to Pharaoh and how Israel, how he led the Israelites across the Red Sea into dark ground. How Moses received the Ten Commandments and he spoke to God face to face. And all of these things that I have said are true, but there's another side to the story. If you roll back the tape from the beginning, Moses was anything but a hero. You know, when the Lord spoke to Moses on that day, on that burning bush, Mo, God told Moses, so now go, Moses. I mean, it was simple and it was clear. You know, he wasn't like Abraham. When, Abraham, when God called Abraham and told Abraham to leave the Chaldeans into the land of Ur, and he would give them uh, the, the land with, that flows with milk and honey, you know, Abraham didn't hesitate. He didn't even ask God. He just got his stuff and went. But Moses, oh, Moses, Moses objected to what God had instructed him to do. But you know, God told Moses, Moses, I got a big job for you. Put your sandals back on and head for Egypt. And I want you to talk to Pharaoh for me. The only problem with that is that Moses didn't want any part of it. He had two objections to the whole plan. And his first objection is that he didn't want anything to do with Pharaoh. I mean, at the time, Pharaoh was the most powerful man in the world. And his second objection was that he didn't think the people of Israel would listen to him. And in short, he thought that God's idea was just a disaster, that maybe God should look somewhere else, or maybe God should pick another leader, or maybe God should look uh, for someone else. And while you're thinking about this morning, while you're thinking about that this morning, chew on this. And that is that we are living in the midst of a world that is going to hell. People are perishing daily and are in desperate need for somebody to tell them about Jesus Christ. Now, the world might not be in chains physically, but spiritually, Satan has them enslaved. Satan has them enslaved. And God has chosen a group of people to go out and to preach the gospel message that Jesus is the only hope for this nation and for this world. Can someone say amen? Amen. Now, if you were God, who would you choose? Who would you pick 
to go preach to your loved ones and to your neighbors. Because I want to tell you, it's not about us or it's not about me or individually, right? Because we think, we think, we think it's only about us. You know, it's only about me. How can I make it to heaven? How can I get there? How can I get to glory? But it's not about us. It's about him. And we need to be kingdom minded because I want my crew. I want my family. I want my my friends. I want my church members who are sitting here that when I get to glory, I want to see Brother Bard and I want to see, amen, I want to see Brother Steve and I, I want to see Stephen and I want to see Poindexter. It's not about me. It's about preaching to those who need to be preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can someone say amen? You know, God hasn't changed his mind. He has saved every one of you for his glory and for his honor. But when the realization dawns on us, we drag out all the excuses and we try to find every reason under the sun why we can't do the job that God has chosen us to do. And just in parenthesis, isn't that a wonderful thing that God has chosen us? Anybody ever been to the beach and you see the sand? You see the sand? Isn't it a wonderful thing that God has chosen us? The Bible tells us that that he chose us before the foundations of the world. Think about it. Before the moon and the stars and the heavens and the earth were ever created, he had you in mind. He had me in mind. He had you in mind. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That we get the privilege and the honor to be called his own. Praise God. He chose us before the foundations of the world. So in your outline there, I want to give you God's answers for man's excuses. And we are going to see the life of this man named Moses. And so the first excuse that Moses gives is the excuse of inability. And you can write that down. Look at what the scripture says. But Moses asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Now first, Moses' concern was this, was that he was a nobody. And therefore, he was unqualified to go to Pharaoh and to release, uh, he was unqualified to go to Pharaoh and demand the release of God's people. I want to remind someone and I want to tell somebody this morning that you are not a nobody, that you are a somebody. That you are not your current failures or your past mistakes. That you are not what you do or what you did or what you haven't done, what you should have done or what you wish you have done. You are not what you are going through or what someone said about you. Maybe you were wronged. Maybe you were abused. Maybe you were mistreated. Maybe you were talked about. You are not a nobody. You are a somebody. You are a chosen child of the most high God. He has called you his beloved. He has called you his friend. He has called you his own. You are not a nobody. You are a child of the most high God. And that's a privilege that we must take and honor him for who he is and what he has done in our lives. You are not a nobody. 
You are a somebody in Jesus Christ. Now, was Moses unqualified? Was Moses unqualified? The answer is yes. From a human point of view. I mean, Moses wasn't the likely prospect to, uh, to go and to talk to Pharaoh. After all, Moses had been gone for a long time. He had killed a man. He, he had the reputation. He didn't have the best reputation. Now, if you were picking a candidate to lead God's people out of Egypt, you know, Moses perhaps wouldn't be on top of your list. Oh, but God. But God. Anybody ever have a but God moment? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. But God. You see, but God arrives in those seasons when everything seems to be against us. When the world and the troubles and the tribulations afflict us. Oh, but God shows up. Oh, in those times of troubles, in those times when we are facing turmoil in our lives, but God, God shows up. And when God shows up, he shows out. Come on, somebody. I said, when God shows up, he shows out because he is powerful. He is mighty. He is the God who can save and redeem his people. Can someone say amen? You know, those times are recognized by these words. Anybody? No, there's no way my marriage is going to survive. The conflict is just, this, this conflict can't be resolved. The, the prognosis gives zero hope. The church will never recover. His ministry is over. In these times, only God can reverse those situations in the midst of indescribable fear. But God, but God, it is God who will give us the strength. It is God who will show us the way out. It is God who will pick us up, turn us around, put our feet on solid ground, and allow us to walk in victory and not in victory. In victory, can someone say amen? amen. You know, the, the whole word, the whole reply to Moses can be summed up in these five words. I will be with you. That's what God tells Moses. I will be with you. Look at what Isaiah 41, 10 says. It says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. You know, I heard a story of a little boy you know, little Johnny, he wandered into the kitchen while mom was making supper. Do they call it supper anymore? They don't call it supper no more, right? <laughs> or they call it cena, dinner. And she asked Johnny, Johnny, can, can you get me a can of tomato soup out of the pantry? Anybody have a pantry? Anybody know what a pantry is? <laughs> Apartamento, <laughs> And so she asked Johnny, Johnny, can you get me the can of tomato soup out of the pantry? But Johnny answered, Mom, it's dark in there. I'm scared. Will you go with me? Mom asked again, but Johnny was scared. Mom, will, will you go with me? Mom assured him, it's okay, honey. Jesus will be with you. 
And Johnny inched closer to the pantry and he, he opened the door and peeked and it was dark and he turned to leave and then he turned back and he said, Jesus, if you're in there, will you hand me the can of soup? <laughs> you know, Jesus has promised to be with us. He might not hand you that can of soup, but I want to tell you in the darkest times of your life, in the darkest times, in the darkest hours of your life, Jesus Christ will promise to be there with you. The word of God tells us that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will be with us even until the end of the world. Can someone say amen? He is Emmanuel. God is with us. Praise God. He has promised to be with his people can someone say amen? amen and that's the bottom line nothing else matters if God is with Moses then he cannot fail and if God is with us then we cannot fail I, I heard two amens if God is going to be with Moses, then, then Moses cannot fail. And if God is going to be with you, I want to tell you that you cannot fail. When Moses says, I can't do this, God, God answers, you're right, but I can. When God is on our side, there is no devil in hell that will be able to prevail against God's people because we got the most powerful force in the universe we got God on our side and when God is on our side we cannot fail can someone say amen we cannot fail we cannot fail they want they want you for a promotion but you're thinking about it oh man oh you're thinking about the excuses you want to start a business oh man what you know you want to start that project you, you want to join a life group. You want to be in ministry, but you're thinking about excuses. If your excuse is like Moses' inability, I want to tell you that just send that back to hell where it came from because you are capable of doing anything that God has placed in your heart to do because when God is with us, he, nothing in the world can be against us. We are strong when God is with us. Can someone say amen? That's why the Apostle Paul says, my brothers and my sisters, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Yes, the devil is strong. And by our own will and our own power, he will defeat us. Oh, but we got God. Three. I said, we got God. We got God. Put those excuses to the side. We got God on our side, praise God. And with his power, we are able to do the impossible. Can someone say amen? amen. No more excuses. Everybody say no more excuses. no more excuses. The second excuse that Moses gave is the excuse of inadequacy. Look at there in your outline. It says, then Moses has God. If I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors have sent me to you, and they ask me, what is your name? What should I tell them? Now, after Moses told God of his inabilities, Moses goes on to talk about his inadequacies. And so God knew the people would ask Moses this question. So what does God do? God prepares Moses for the answer. He tells Moses, tell them, I am who sent you. Now, this simple phrase, I am, 
It's a powerful phrase. And if you ever have a chance to, to just to kind of go through the scriptures, to, to kind of research what the word I am means. It, it's a simple phrase that contains, that contains the essential truth about who God is. Amen. In other words, that God is a personal, eternal, self-existing God of the universe. And that he always was and he always is and he will always be. And that is, he is above all things, beneath all things, behind all things, in front of all things. And by him, all things hold together. By him, all things are being. And without him, the universe does not exist. And when they asked Jesus who he was, in John chapter 8, verse 58, this is a wonderful statement of Jesus. Jesus Christ said, I, before Abraham was, I am. I am. Jesus Christ was declaring himself to be God and they picked up stones to stone Jesus. He is the great I am. He said, I am the bread. He said, I am the door. He said, I am the resurrection and the life and he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet he shall live. He said, I am the alpha. I am the beginning. I am the first and I am the last. Behold, I am the one who was dead, but behold, I live forevermore. God is the great I am. Now think about this. Think about it this way. According to his name, according to his name, he is the essence of whatever you need. At whatever moment, because he has said in his word, I am your strength. I am your courage. I am your health. I am your hope. I am your supply. I am your defender. I am your forgiveness. I am your joy. I am your future. And God is saying to you and me this morning, Day Spring Church, I am whatever you need, whenever you need it. In other words, God is telling us this morning that He is all sufficient, God, for every circumstance, for every trial, for every moment. He is the great I am. Can someone shout amen? He is the great I am. Think about this. Remember Noah? Well, I don't know if you guys remember, like, remember Noah. I don't think most of you are thousands of years old. Noah probably didn't feel adequate besides the ark. David must have felt pretty small. You know, next to Goliath. The three Hebrew boys probably felt inadequate in the furnace. Daniel must have looked pretty inadequate besides the lion's den. And so all through the scriptures, God's people have been placed alongside obstacles against which they look and they felt inadequate. Oh, but the power of God working through them, they were able to overcome it all. Hallelujah. Why? Because God was with them. And if God was with the saints of old, I want to tell you this morning that God is with the saints of new. Amen. Amen. 
Only three got that. I said, if God was with the saints of old, then God is with the saints of new. God is with you. And if he strengthened them in the past, he's going to strengthen you today. If he gave them power in the past, he's going to give you power today. If God saw them through before, God is going to see you through your situation. God is going to see you through your circumstance. God is going to see you through every situation and every moment. So throw that excuse of inadequacy out the window. It doesn't belong in your life. It belongs in the pits of hell. Can someone say amen? Amen. Now the third excuse that Moses gave is the excuse of inferiority. I was telling my wife, man, that's a hard word for me to pronounce. You know, every time Leoni is back there. And I always, I say, Leoni, I can't pronounce your name. And I said, it's a tongue twister. She said, you'll get it, maybe next year. (laughs) But there's certain words I just can't pronounce, Brother Steve. And this is one of them. So the excuse of... Inferiority. Oh, come on. Hey, Liana was the only one. (laughs) Come on, let's all say it. The excuse of... Inferiority. All right, thank you. That helped me out a lot. I don't want to make a fool of myself up here. I don't want to give Nestor uh, more uh, material than he needs. <laughs> so now Moses has another what if question. Anybody ever have a what if question? Look at what Moses said there in your outline. He says, what if? Everybody say, what if? What if they don't believe me or will not obey me, but say the Lord did not appear to you? Now, that was very possible. I mean, it was, it was a likely fact. I mean, Moses had a checkered past. Hello. Anybody else? I oh, don't think you're a saint. <laughs> Some of you have been in jail for a long time. <laughs> Praise God. We all have checkered past, right? We all have some, they say, skeletons in the closet, and I'm not referring to Halloween. We're getting ready to take them out. We don't believe in that, but, but Moses had a checkered past. I think most of us do. You know, after being raised by Pharaoh's daughter, he, he rejected Egypt. He, he, show, he chose, check this out, he chose to suffer with God's people. But then he murdered an Egyptian. He, he covered it up, the Bible tells us. And, that, and then he ran away for 40 years. I mean, Moses had a checkered past. Yeah, Moses had a checkered past. Now he shows up saying, he shows up telling Pharaoh that God spoke to him in a burning bush in the desert. I mean, Pharaoh must have thought that Moses was crazy. You must be cuckoo. There's no way they're going to believe him the story. I mean, it sounds crazy. But God knew. So he asked Moses a question. I think it's in your outline. What is in your hand? Moses replied, well, it's just a staff. It's just a stick. It's an ordinary thing. It has no value. It has no, it's just for me to walk. 
Now, now we're talking about a shepherd's staff. It, it was a walking stick. I mean, every shepherd had one. They would, they would clear the brush so that there was any snakes there. And, and they had one. And there was nothing special about it. But Moses, no doubt, he, he must have found it in the wilderness. It was just a stick. And you might ask, well, what's your point, Pastor? My point is this, is that God can use the ordinary for extraordinary purposes. You might think I'm just an ordinary person, but I want to tell you that God can use you for extraordinary work. Praise God. You might think I'm, a, I'm just an ordinary person. I don't have the, the talents to sing like Pastor Manolo. That's why they don't allow me to sing on the worship team. You know? <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that out there because I know. Un poquito de gallos me salen, pero todavía puedo cantar. But you might think like you're Moses. Hey, I'm just ordinary. There's nothing special about me. But I want to tell you that God can use the ordinary for extraordinary purposes. Think about Moses. You know, Moses, uh, excuse me, Noah, not Moses, Noah. He was a drunk. I mean, he drank too much. But God used him to build the ark and save the world. Abraham and Sarah, I mean, they were old. They were washed up. But check this out. God used them to build a nation. God can use the ordinary for extraordinary purposes. Joseph, hey, man, he was an entitled teen. And he went through God's classroom. But God used him to save Egypt and Israel. God can use the ordinary for extraordinary purposes. Are you getting what I'm saying? Rahab, she was a prostitute who God used to help the spies overtake Jericho. God can use the ordinary for extraordinary purposes. Can I get an amen? Jonah, he was an escapist who God God brought him back to Nineveh. God can use the ordinary for extraordinary purposes. Esther, she was an adopted orphan, but she became the queen to save the nation of Israel. God can use the ordinary for extraordinary purposes. Peter, he was a quitter, bad mouth, who God brought him back, hallelujah, to start the kingdom. God can use the ordinary for what? Extraordinary purposes. Paul, he was the enemy who became the most prolific preacher to, to, to reach the people. God can use the ordinary for the extraordinary purposes. Moses, the Bible tells us that he was a stutter, but God used him to be the spokesman and the leader. Praise God. God can use the ordinary for extraordinary purposes. He told Moses, throw the staff back on the ground. And when it turned into a snake, God told him to pick it up again. And it turned back into a wooden staff. That was the whole job description. Moses' problem wasn't knowledge. He knew exactly what God wanted for for him to do. His problem wasn't education. He had been educated by the most well-educated people in Egypt. God had already taken care of of that. Moses' problem was fear. He was afraid that it wouldn't work out right. And he questioned God, what if it doesn't work? 
Now, fear will paralyze us. Fear will stump our growth. Fear will not let us move forward. Can I get a witness? Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that, that Jesus Christ was with his disciples and they were on the Sea of Galilee. And the Bible tells us that the storms begin to, to rise and, and the winds and the waves begin to batter the boat. And check this out. Jesus is asleep in the stern of the boat. Anybody ever feel that Jesus is asleep through your problems? Or am I the only one? No? Oh, you guys are all super saints. <laughs> the storm is battering the boat and Jesus is asleep. Praise God. You know, there's been times where I cried out to God, God, I need you, I want you. And, and it just feels that God is, is not listening to my cry, that he is asleep. And they went and they shook Jesus and they said, Jesus, don't you care that we perish? And Jesus stands up and the Bible tells us that he rebuked the winds and the waves so much so that the disciples said, wow, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? I mean, they had been with Jesus. They saw the miracles that Jesus was doing, but nevertheless, they still questioned, who is it? Well, I want to tell you this morning who he is. He is your defender. He is your strength. He, he, he is the person, he is the one you want when you're struggling and when you're in pain. He will be with you. Amen. It doesn't matter the situation or the circumstance. Now Moses thought, what if something would go wrong? What if something would go wrong? I want to tell you, don't what if the storm. Or don't what if the Almighty in the storm. Like Pharaoh, he tells Pharaoh, what if fear gripped him? He thought maybe Pharaoh would throw him with the crocodiles or the children of Israel would laugh at him or he would end up trapped by the Red Sea only by a miracle. Could he get out? You know what Moses wanted? Moses wanted assurance before he could take that first step. So he's out there by the burning bush trying to, what if, Lord, what if? We do the same thing, don't we? That's why we hesitate to obey God's word. We try it. What if, God? What if? And I want to tell you that life is filled with what ifs. Life is filled with what if questions. What if it doesn't work out? What if I don't make it? What if I don't finish? What if my marriage doesn't last? What if my business doesn't, doesn't make it? We have a bunch of what ifs in life. But when God calls you, I want to tell you that it will work out one way or the other. All your what ifs are just a wasted time. Because when you have God who is on your side, those what ifs should be thrown out the window. Because if God is with you, he is going to strengthen you, he is going to help you, and he is going to see you through. He will be with you. As long as you are saying, what if you aren't obeying God? You know what you're doing? You're negotiating with God. There's a big difference. God has called you to a ministry. What if? 
God has called you to do these great things. What if? You know what you're doing? You're negotiating with God. Stop negotiating with God. He's not a car salesman. No, sir. Obey God's word. God has told you, you do it. Don't question God. You know, I heard, I saw a bumper sticker that said, if God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, I don't, I don't think it that way. I believe that if God says it, then that settles it. Whether I believe it or not, praise God. So stop with your what ifs. If God has called you for a task, don't negotiate with God. He is not a salesman, no sir. Start obeying the word of God. Start obeying the voice of the Lord. Start obeying his word. And I guarantee you that when you put those what ifs to the side, the spirit and the power of God will move mightily upon your family, upon your home, upon your business, upon your life. Don't negotiate with God. Don't tell God what if. Tell God, yes, Lord, I'm going to do according to your will, according to your plan, because you bent it this way, and God is going to bless you when you obey God and not negotiate with him. Can someone say amen? Amen. So put your what ifs to the side. Tell your neighbor, put the what ifs to the side. It's time to obey God. Praise God. I said, it's time to obey God. God will never ask you to do anything that's contrary to his word. Well, he wants me to divorce. No, he doesn't. He will never ask you to do anything contrary to his word. You don't negotiate with God. You say, Lord, here I am. Here I am, Lord. The Bible tells us to obey is better than sacrifice. All Moses had to do was obey, and the rest would be taken care of. He'll get whatever he needs as long as he obeys God. As long as he obeys God. And last but not least, can someone play the piano? The excuse of infirmity. And I'm finishing with this. Look at what Moses says. But Moses replied to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, either in the past or recently, or since you have been speaking to your servant, because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. You know, in a last-ditch effort, to escape the yoke that God intends for him. Moses appeals to some sort of speech impediment. They think that Moses was a stutterer. And it be, may be that Moses just thought that, and therefore responded slow, or it may be that he stuttered, but whatever the infirmity was, Moses tried to use it as an excuse. It evidently... He thought that the Lord would fix the problem. In other words, what Moses was telling him, hey, Lord, you know, if I I sign up for the team, will you make me eloquent? I mean, that's what Moses was asking God, right? And God answers Moses in a form of a question. 
Check this out. He says, who placed a mouth on humans? Who makes a person mute or deaf, seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? You know what God is telling Moses is, yes, Moses, you are inadequate. But because I made you that way. But your weakness is part of my plan. You know, God promised Moses to give him whatever he needed in spite of his weakness. All he has to do is to go to Pharaoh, put fear aside, stand before Pharaoh, and tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And the rest would be up to God. And that's all God is asking us to do. God is asking us to go and to do what he has asked us to do. And God will take care of the rest. He will take care of the rest. Put your fear aside. God will do the rest. You know, if your excuse this morning is is that of infirmity, Lord? I'm not eloquent. Just put that aside. I mean, if God can use a jackass to speak to Balaam, if he can use a rooster to speak to Peter, if he can use an old sheep to hide Gideon, surely you can do what God has asked you to do if you are available to him. You know, I've always asked the Lord, Lord, why couldn't you make me six feet? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but I'm good. My, my son says, Dad, how come I got... Um, my, my daughter, she's, how come I got Dad's jeans? You know, my son, he's... he's 5'10 now. He's got his mom's jeans. But I tell him, you know, we're in good company. Leon, Leon Messi, he's 5'7. Alexander the Great, they said he was 5'6. Tom Cruise, who they confuse me as, he's only 5'6. But I could use that against God. Say, Lord. But when God called me when I was 13 years old into the ministry, pastor said you're going to preach he's looking at me I remember the first time I got behind a pulpit to preach I remember the story it was Noah you know I remember I got there and I began to stutter I think I was up there for like three seconds I just had to to go take my seat and pastor continued but it took that step of faith Say, Lord, if that's what you want for my life, then in no way will I reject it. Because if you're going to be with me, then you're going to help me. You're going to see me through. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus. 
and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.